0: Sovereignty with Elizabeth, and we are in studio today with Tim Ballard, who is the president of a real estate company that helps people make sound real estate and financial investments. He's also an advocate um, to help abuse stop in the in the world. And we also have Catherine Robb, who is Executive Director of Child USA Advocacy, and she's also a survivor who has done a lot of work to um, bring zero abuse forward in the world as well. And Sharon Crowley from the Ohm Center of Healing is in studio with me as a guest co-host. So welcome, everyone. Um, I'm really grateful that you're here and open to having a transformative conversation that will benefit many, I'm sure. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. It's great welcome. time. Yeah, welcome. Um, so as we kind of open this conversation up a bit, uh, Catherine, you know, you talk a lot about trusting your power to be free and diving into listening to some universal intelligence that each of us carry. Um, and Tim, you've talked a lot about how when we heal the individual and develop ourselves, it impacts the larger portion of society. And I'm wondering if each of you can just take a moment to, um, kind of bring forward how you've seen that happen in your own life, but also with the people you've had the privilege of working with. And I'm not sure which one of you would like to dive into that,
1: but i I can start Sounds I, I great. can start. Um, <clears throat> so you know, as you said i'm I'm a survivor and um very enmeshed in this work all over the country, know a lot of information, I know a lot of data, you know, um I know what's happening legally, I know what's happening legislatively, and I know what's happening in terms of, you know, the science of trauma and all of that. So, but I think I also know a lot, um, from, you know, no other way to say it for me, but is, uh, the pure intelligence of the universe. Um, and sometimes I pay attention and sometimes I don't. (laughs) The truth is sometimes I pay attention to that. And sometimes I don't, sometimes I sort of lean more on hard data and science and, you know, and also maybe anecdotal data as well. Um, So, you know, I've been doing this for about 20 years. uh, And um, I'm going to share a little bit of a recent personal story, if I may. Please. So I'm a mother of five children. And again, I've been doing this work for a really, really long time. And this June, sadly, my oldest son Uh, shared with me that he was raped by an ER doctor uh, in the Boston area uh, when he was about eight years old. And he was my one child, again, I have five, that was very resident, you know, about my reticent about my work and quiet and didn't ask a lot, didn't get really engaged, was sort of removed. Uh, and now I know why mm-hmm. um, and this may sound crazy to your listeners and and all of you who are here about the time when my son Jesse was eight or nine, I had a really horrific dream that he was raped mm. and I, I and i I can see the dream as I see it now, and I think that perhaps that was one of the times I was not listening to the intelligence of the universe. I'm not a full believer in, you know, dream analysis, but I do believe that there are powers that that come to us and information that comes to us. You know, I think primarily for me more as a parent than, than a survivor or an attorney or a reasonable woman that wants to change laws. But I'm starting to recognize with greater clarity how many messages do come through mm-hmm. that I don't always listen to? Um, and it's both wonderful, mysterious, and frustrating at the same time. Um, so when I say that I believe in the, you know, you know the universal intelligence or the power of the universe or however we want to put it, I mean it wholeheartedly. But I also know that as a mom, and sorry to be long winded with this,
0: no, I'll take all that when, the...
1: then, when my son was eight or nine, you know he's my oldest child of five. I didn't know about Jerry Sandusky. I didn't know about uh Boy Scouts of America. I didn't know about the abuse in the uh Catholic Church. I wasn't even facing my own abuse fully you know, I, I I didn't know all of those things. And of course, as a mother, I, I feel like I failed him and not protecting him. And why didn't I go to this test that this doctor said he was doing when in fact he was taking my son to the basement of a ER and sodomizing him? Um, I didn't know then, but I think with greater clarity, I know now, and this is one of the ways in which I testify is I tell lawmakers that we know we know the data. We know that about 13.5% of all children will be sexually assaulted before their 18th birthday. We know that this is an epidemic. This is ubiquitous. We know all of this. Um, And I also somehow knew something, probably it was too late for my son but I'm starting to pay attention and also testifying and sharing with other parents and advocates and friends and people that just want to do good in the world to really listen and to pay attention to those things that don't feel right. You know, I say to my children all the time, if it doesn't feel right, it ain't. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: I think we can share that with uh, institutions and lawmakers and all of that. So I'm leaning into that message that I shared with my children, Mm -hmm. you know, for years and years and years, I'm starting to listen to that message as well. So I I hope that answered your question with an unfortunate story.
0: Yeah. I mean, it definitely, and I think it highlights the importance of listening to that, that gut and, and Mm -hmm. the information we're getting often through many signals whether it be Mm. dream or a bodily sensation. Um, and the more that we can support our children, me, I'm also a mom of four. And I know Tim and Sharon are both parents here too. Uh, the stronger that generation after us becomes, um, having, you know, being a survivor myself of both medical and clerical abuse, um, and having seen and experienced that firsthand, so it's very brave of you to share this story with our listeners in our community, but also brave of your son to come forward and realize that that was never his fault. Um mm-hmm. And he doesn't have to hold the abuse and the atrocities of someone who was doing horrific things at the cost mm-hmm. of others. Indeed. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Catherine, I I really appreciate you sharing that. That's heart wrenching to hear. Mm -hmm. Um, and as a parent, got two kids, um, and as a survivor of uh, sexual abuse as an adult, you know, um, I think the one thing about all of it is, um, opening up to this place over the last, for me, four or five years of freedom that that uh, I really never knew existed in my life or was possible. Um, So I I appreciate Elizabeth, you know, I can't say it enough of what you're doing to create this platform um, for advocates of, of justice in the world. Um, But especially with, with this crisis and Catherine's absolutely right. It's, it's an epidemic Uh, at, at, at levels. I think the data is still probably catching up to.
0: And
3: I think for me, You know, being um, my journey the last few years, uncovering my abuse uh, by a Jesuit priest while I was in Belize, um, we kind of ran in conjunction with a traumatizing childhood of an alcoholic household and the intertwining of those. I was never sexually abused by my family, by my parents or anything like that. Um, But kind of the parallels between my, my dad and this priest were very, very strong very scary. And, um, I, I didn't learn to trust those signals. Um, Mm -hmm. I learned to cover it up. I learned to, um, show the outside world everything was fine when everything was anything but that. And so I, the idea of, you know, being able to I'm 43 years old and, uh, you know, I've, I sat down with my dad who's an AA now and been sober for 17 months. Um, and he was able to come to me doing a step nine and, and basically admitting, um, and apologizing for, for the trauma he had inflicted on us and our family. And, um, you know, I'm finding as I heal through, through that, through the program I'm in, um, on, a, on the very nuclear level of my family expands out into the realm of, you know, the clerical abuse. That I endured and I think the parallels of, of addiction and trauma and abuse, you know, I'm, I'm learning more and more as I do the programs I'm in, as I work kind of on the, on the community level that I do with people who <laughs> sometimes takes a lifetime to uncover, um, the trauma that they endured. And I think to be able to get to a place. Of healing and um, really being able to take the rage that, that I felt for a long time and the anger and the pain and kind of channel that into, you know, being on platforms like this, um, supporting, you know, young people in my, my community who have, who have who are dealing with, with alcoholic households right now, you know, and, and what that does to them. Um, I, I just, yeah, I appreciate being here. And I appreciate Kath, and the work, you know, you're doing on the on the national international level. You know, I can't thank you enough. Um, Agreed. So, yeah, it's just, it, but to be able to, I think, and I'll wrap this up, but tie it to the to the a very very personal level that you're able to tie it into. I mean, I I know what the effect of you know my abuse and my parents' response to about all that, my mom in particular, like heartbreaking for her in so many ways but but now I think she's able to kind of witness the healing and coming through to the other side of it for me and I think you know some of the power that's given me in my life that I I maybe wouldn't have had without it um, you know I think is it just gives me hope gives my family hope and I think that's the kind of hope I want to help convey to other people who have gone through similar things.
1: Beautiful. Mm-hmm.
0: It's profound work that each of you are doing. And um, I know I've been grateful on my path to find people like you who are helping change laws nationally and internationally for survivors. And um, helping what has for so many generations, millennial probably, been covered in shame, no longer be covered in shame because – Often, I find the survivors have held a level of shame, even when it's not their fault. I know I did for a long time and didn't understand why I had the shame in my system and why it was coming out somatically with autoimmune disorders um, Lift that so that it's we so that change is possible, mm-hmm. and abuse can stop and will stop mm-hmm.
2: And I I would just like to chime in here with being so grateful that all of you are speaking about it because I think by speaking about it, it does strip away uh, people's ability to cover it up or deny it or look away or not want to hear it. Um, Especially, I think, because it has been so generationally um, just passed along to the next generation. And finally, people are speaking out and you're, such warriors for the cause and then protecting our children, you know, because I think with each generation, our children are just a little bit uh, more willing to actually say something. Um, And so you're, that's because of you, you know, it's because of people like you. So thank you.
1: You know, I've always thought that the harder it is to talk about something like this the more we are called upon to Mm -hmm. talk about it.
4: Mm
2: -hmm. Agreed.
0: Yeah. And it can be really um, challenging. I know it has for me at times. Like I think about how many times I was placed in abusive situations where horrific things were happening, either within the Catholic church or or within the medical community that I was raised in. Um, And it's like, I got so used to that happening It didn't surprise my system until I was fully removed from it and realized the kind of harm I had been holding and how much my body and my cells and my DNA didn't want to hold that anymore. Uh, And I can, you know, specifically remember something similar to what happened to your son when I was under anesthesia, getting my knee repaired. And I remember saying, like, I don't want to go under anesthesia. I don't, like, don't do it. I, like, didn't trust who was in the room. Um, and uh, for good reason. You know, it's like, if it doesn't feel right, it ain't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and so when I finally was able to unearth that memory and release it from my system, years later, so much more energy and, um, so much anxiety and overwhelm released and so much more energy arrived in my system mentally, emotionally, you know, physically. And, and that was just one of many things that had happened to me growing up. So, um, I hold a lot of hope for your son and his healing.
1: Yeah. He's incredibly brave and the fact that he was able to tell me is uh, a tribute to him.
0: Absolutely. And that you can hold it as a parent is a tribute Mm -hmm. as well, because that's not always the case with people who go to, you know, their parents or others.
1: And I think there are situations like that as parents, Mm -hmm. where whether your kid is taking a violin lesson or, in basketball practice or in a school or with a doctor. I don't know about you guys, but I always have that conversation in my head. Should I go? Should I stay? How far should I go? You know, I'll go into the x-ray room, you know, like always. Right. And just, you know, really thinking about that. Everyone is a stranger. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you know, (laughs) even, the strangers or the known quantities that that um, possibility is always there for abuse to happen. And Mm -hmm. how do we set boundaries for our kids? And even when we do everything we can within our power, how do we just keep those channels of communication open?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I do wonder um, if that leads to – you know, a, a lot of people not really understanding um, how widespread, how common, how often this happens. I think there's a lot of people that don't truly understand. Um, and it's not even that they're refusing to understand. I think they if you haven't experienced it either with your own family, I think that there's the idea out there, that please don't talk about it. I don't want to hear that. I don't think that's, you know, happening all the time. And so Again, it's this putting it out into the light and talking about it um, I think pushes us closer to the acceptance that yes as a parent, I'm going to be there every single time and and you don't just trust I think that's been so much of the problem is giving over your power to authority just because um, that was what we were taught mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't make any sense um, i
1: but- i do I do also think and Sorry, Tim, if this comes across the wrong way, but I do think that women are more frequently held as "Oh, you're being overprotective, you're being ridiculous, like you know, you know why are you worrying so much? Don't be hysterical you know and I just I think unfortunately, because of the sexist and misogynistic society we live in that that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think more so women are kind of step back or mom step back and say, I'm, I'm being ridiculous when in fact you're not, you know, and I think men, and this is no fault of men, uh, you know, of men or boys, this is just the socialization process are taught. They can come in and be the savior and, you know, the strong one, whereas women get a lot more kickback on that, that, that. You know, prevents them from trusting their gut. I
3: think I think that's a really excellent point, and I think you're absolutely right. And mm-hmm. I've I've even experienced it, like with with my wife in, in situations. And I think it speaks to exactly what we're talking this generational, this breaking down of a multi generational um, patriarchal misogynistic culture that that allowed Mm -hmm. like we're here because of that in large part and Mm -hmm. so how are we undoing that and unraveling it and can we be uh too cautious no Mm -hmm. (laughs) can we be um too protective absolutely not so and i and i think you're right catherine i think there is a there's a still a very much an imbalance um you know even even in the survivor realm you know where it's like i can came out as a as an adult male survivor and yet, you know, I think to myself, you know, that the thousands of cases of women in all of this that have gone mm-hmm. on for, for so long, you know, this is um yeah, this is this has to stop.
0: I also think that there are way more men and boys who have also been abused that haven't quite gotten in touch with it. Mm-hmm. Agreed which is why that culture can even sustain but is rapidly transforming on the planet. Like I think patriarchy and toxic masculinity, which harms not only men but also women, is dissolving as we speak. At least that's my hope. Not, not, not quite quick enough. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> we'll keep working on that. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> um, I, I mean, let's just take a moment before we go to break, because I want our listeners to understand where they can find like all the brilliant work each of you are doing. Um, Catherine, can you just let people know a little bit about your current position and then we'll have. Sure. To-
1: mm-hmm. So I, I, run a nonprofit called child U S advocacy and I, primarily write, edit, testify on legislation, any legislation that is child protection and victim-friendly legislation. So primarily, and that can cover a lot of things, not just sexual abuse, not just statute of limitations reform. Um, And so folks can reach out. Our website's pretty simple. It's um, www.childusadvocacy.org. Um, and there's, you can sign on. We have maps where you can join the advocacy programs w- within your jurisdiction. And we are affiliated. Our sister organization is the national, actually international think tank run by the brilliant Marcy Hamilton. And that is our sister organization. And they, you know, they're the think tank and give us the data. So there's lots of information to be found on both websites.
0: Amazing. And how about you, Tim?
3: Yeah, so, I mean, um, seeing myself, I, you know, just I've always consider myself an educator. I've been in investing, the investment world for, since I was 19. Um, but I've got a background in, t- in teaching as well. So, um, our website's uh, leanong.com. Um, you can find me there, but I really, you know, if I can direct people in the investment world, that's, that's what I want to do, but I, we're very broad based in, in how we educate people. Um, you know, we our team is a, we're we're an advocacy advocacy team within our community. Um, we're a very uh, multi ethnic, multiracial uh, group that really wants to promote. We're, we're trying to promote housing equality and affordable housing and the affordable housing movement um, as as much as we can on um, the city level that I live in, but also on the the state and nationwide level. Uh, in terms of what we do, um, with our, with our philosophy. So.
0: Well, and that's important. I think as more and more survivors heal, um, a lot of resource goes toward healing and they, we need advocacy around homes and investments and things that may not be front and center when so much energy has gone toward healing and waking up and advocacy. Definitely. All right. Well, we're going to continue this conversation after we take this brief break. Um, this is Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth and guest co-host Sharon. And we're in studio with Tim Ballard and Katherine Robb, who are joining us on the advocacy to prevent abuse and transform the world to make it a brighter, better place. At the School for Higher Consciousness, we are committed to raising the level of consciousness on the planet by educating and empowering people to grow, evolve, and live well. We are dedicated to supporting people through this critical time on the planet. Our classes provide a path that deeply connects you to your inner power and higher levels of consciousness. We inspire, teach, and empower people to develop the skills and practices needed to energetically heal, grow, and connect more fully to their life purpose. Learn more at schoolforhigherconsciousness.com, schoolforhigherconsciousness.com.
4: If stress, pain, or fatigue are part of your life, then consider that your pain and tension may be indicators of what's amiss in your life, and it's time for a new perspective. At Resolve Pain Guru, we're here to help you reconnect with yourself, release tension and pain, move better, and sleep better so that you can do more of what you love. You have the power to take control of your healing journey, with our online six-week Change Your Pain course. Learn somatic practices to tap into the wisdom of your body and then learn to trust your intuition. Challenge your thinking and embark on a transformative journey with Resolve Pain Guru as your guide, unlocking infinite rewards along the way. Experience the life-changing benefits of somatic practices at resolvepainguru.com. Register for our six-week pain relief starter series and start your journey to a pain-free life of joy. That's resolvepainguru.com. Resolvepainguru.com.
0: I'm Elizabeth Sullivan, owner of Soma Soul Sovereignty. I teach people to transform and heal their bodies, minds, and spirits and manifest higher consciousness. My hope with Soma Soul Sovereignty is that you open up to the power to heal yourself. We believe the power to heal is within each of us, it supports us coming home to ourselves and our authenticity. The alchemy of Soma Yoga, Ayurveda, Energy Medicine, and Multidimensional Healing is a synergistic approach that supports this self-healing state within and around us. It is filled with common sense and a deep understanding of the beauty for life and consciousness. It reminds us that our true divine nature is light, aligned with love, and when we orientate toward it, much releases, heals, and transforms. Experience the power and freedom within in ways to support your body, mind, and spirit being unified. Soma Soul Sovereignty, awaken to your light within. For more information, visit elizabethsullivan.love or somasoulsovereignty.com. That's somasoulsovereignty.com.
4: At some point, we've probably all felt a little stuck in a rut when it comes to our health, whether it's something physical, digestive, or emotional. This is Dr. Erica Way with Beyond Chiropractic. I'm a holistic practitioner that will take the time to help you transform so you can manifest your optimal life. Don't let unresolved issues hold you back. Come to Beyond Chiropractic in Oakdale and discover the answers your health deserves. Book an appointment today at beyondchiropractic.com.
0: This is Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth and guest co-host Sharon Crowley, and we're in studio with Tim Ballard, who is an educator, an advocate, and a real estate investor, helping people making sound real estate and financial investments, but also helping people heal and support their healing journey um, as it shows up. And Catherine Robb, who is Executive Director of Child USA Advocacy and also a survivor who has changed laws nationally and internationally for survivors to hold accountability of many, many kinds of abuse um, when that's shown up in different legislative processes. And we're grateful to both of you for being here and having this conversation Um I think oftentimes as people awaken to patterns of abuse mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, sexually, whatever level they've experienced that on, um, it can feel overwhelming. But we want our listeners and in this conversation really to shine a light on that there's hope. And when we go into those wounds that maybe our subconscious has been protecting us from, there's also so much freedom and sovereignty that comes when it's no longer being suppressed in our system. And and there's a whole science of trauma behind that. And Catherine, I know you speak a lot about that and Tim, you've also noticed how that works in your own healing journey. Maybe you guys could um, share a little bit of light on that.
1: So I'm, I'm happy to hop in here. Yeah. Um, so we know a lot about the science of traumatology now, you know, thanks to Body Keeps the Score and so many other trauma researchers at, you know, at great institutions um, that do work with all sorts of different types of trauma. And I think we also know a lot because brave survivors like Tim uh, are coming forward and speaking out. So, you know, we know a lot. We know we know that um, first of all, that the stress response system in the body is really a way to protect who you know to protect yourself you know i I am to this day still discovering that mm-hmm. that it that there are things uh, that the trauma response does to you know that doesn't make sense, but then reflecting back clearly makes a lot of sense so uh, whether it is um you know, a, a fight, fright, freeze, flight, you know, whatever. Fawn. Whatever it may be, yep. fawn. I mean, I th- I think my go-to as a little girl was freeze. Um, and I think that actually tends to be a little bit more common uh, with uh, children who are abused. Um, but I think we understand the nature of trauma much better as it exists in real tangible ways, um, you know, You know, whether kids are shutting down or kids are being quiet or kids can't sleep or kids are having all sorts of physical ailments, sleeping, eating, acting out, you know, uh, trouble focusing and concentrating in school, whatever it may be. So we're definitely, you know, understand the nature of trauma in a much more significant way, even just how cortisol, you know, works in the body and affects the body and high levels of that and all of that good stuff, right? um but i think in terms of at least the work that i do and trying to convince lawmakers to to change their laws we understand that trauma silences victims you know it is a way to protect to live to survive literally survive that you don't you don't speak about it you don't think about it and um you know i'm just going to tell another quick really yeah, recent no. story I'm watching with my wife, the, um, the crown mm-hmm. on Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where, um, Diana, and I'm not into the Royal family. I just, have to say <laughs> <this>. <laughs> <laughs> like, I actually don't give a crap about that stuff, but whatever. It's entertainment. Yeah. But anyway, um, and a bit more you know kind of serious note there's a scene where she's upset i can't remember she can't speak to her children or something and she bites down on her hand really really hard like almost breaks the skin and i just looked at it and i was like for the first time i let myself think about that that's what i did every time my abuser left my bedroom mm-hmm. now i'm 63 years old mm-hmm. i've been talking openly about my abuse now for you know, 15, 16 years. And that was the first time I allowed my brain to think about that. That was a response that I had. It was my silent scream. It was maybe a way to punish myself because I felt shame, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be. And now, you know, you know, being a relatively intelligent person, I just made the connection. Of course, I can't wait to share it with my therapist Um, that, that You know, that was something I was doing that I, you know, I was taking care of myself. You know, I was allowing a silent scream and a bite in my, in my fist or, um, but we understand that now. And in, in terms of a bigger picture, at least for lawmakers, you know, I tell lawmakers all the time, why do we have laws that protect perpetrators for the very silence they create in their victims? That's insanity. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it's this. you know, if you told someone to run a, you know, across a football field and broke their legs and said, why aren't you running? You know, it's that same kind of thing. So, you know, I think that really our understanding of trauma is, is definitely helping this movement and. <laughs> Um my personal experience is it comes in layers and it will probably come my whole life to really understand it. But we are starting to understand it, not just when we look at children, how they're exhibiting trauma, you know, I always had sleep issues, now my mother reflects back. Of course you had sleep issues because your abuse was happening at night, mm-hmm. you know. Um now, you know, educating parents but also educating lawmakers so we can really hold these people accountable and hold institutions accountable.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So,
0: yeah, it's profound because so much of the collective shame and in protecting institutions is at the cost of survivors and the cost of the stopping. Mm-hmm. And people don't want to believe the institutions they've given their faith, their children, their money, their mm-hmm. cultural identity mm-hmm. to their belonging to could possibly whether it was a medical institution, whether it's the Catholic church or Lutheran church or just religion in general, of any yeah. sort, because yeah. you can find abuse in most religions. Um, oh, yeah. Sporting teams, you know, mm-hmm. schools. It's
1: that... ubiquitous. hmm And by the way, the the perpetrator always looks like the good guy.
0: Always. Always looks like the good guy. Those are the people we have to pay attention to. And you know? actually, as a culture, stop remembering their names. Yeah start remembering survivors names not yeah. that survivors want to be known for their abuse but much better to remember the survivor who spoke out and had the courage to speak out than the coaches or the clerical or jesuit priest or doctor that was abusing
2: True. teacher that was
0: abusing thousands like why why do we want like no <laughs> yeah
2: well, do, I have a question, quick. So, do you find with um, with us knowing more about the trauma response and being more aware of it, that people, um, not those in power that are responding to it, but the people around in the community, do you feel like uh, more are able to accept it and um, be a support for those survivors that are speaking about it? Have you do Do you know if there's a shift or a change around that, especially in the last few years when everything's so divided and, you know, speaking up is not always encouraged. Has mm-hmm. I know that's a lot of questions all at once. I'm just wondering if yeah, you've yeah. any- I,
1: I do think there's a shift. I think it's a good question. I do think there's a shift. Now, we need a greater shift.
2: That's right. But it's
1: definitely a shift. <laughs> right. Um, you know, for people to say it's not out there. You know, think about it. It's always the bad guy out there, the guy yeah. driving by the Schoolyard in a white van or something, right? It's that guy out there. That's like three to two percent of, or two to three to percent of all perpetrators. It's the person you know. It could be in your house, on your team, in your church, in your synagogue, you know, wherever, at the camp, you know, in the hospital, you know. It's that. It's that person, right? And I think, I think people are. I I believe there's a trend towards really sort of paying attention. You know, we're like fish in the water. You don't see the water, right? So mm-hmm. I think we're starting to pay more attention. But I, I do, Sharon, I think education is the key. And, you know, educating parents. You know, I wish I knew... Then, when my son was just this perfect little, beautiful eight-year-old boy, what I know now, right? So, educating and educating lawmakers really important. But I, I do, I do think that people are starting to see it.
2: Thank goodness,
3: yeah. I, I think the time gap it, it takes for people to fully understand the that, that trauma or abuse maybe they, they've survived. And I know, Catherine, you do this at, 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 in a phenomenal way, getting them to understand right the trauma cycle and how it works, and how long it can take. You know, my abuse happened when I was twenty three, and it didn't come back to me till I was thirty nine. It mm-hmm. was almost sixteen years, and it, it it I mean, took my life. I mean, literally to the brink, where my wife kept me alive for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and she's the only reason I'm here. Um I think people sharing back to your questions. It is a really good one. To me, people, you know, I had, I had very dear friends who I worked with before my abuse happened in a Catholic ministry world that I heard nothing from after my story went public and I sent it to everybody I knew. And that was okay. But I think part of that was them protecting their own, their identity was so Mm -hmm. Um, intertwined still and, and rigid with the Catholic institution, it, it was almost like, um, you know, not that they wouldn't have supported me or or, or believed me, but it was it was um, threatening. It was threatening exactly yeah. to their own identity, and I think that's that population is is I think really the key because those people. I don't, I'm not sure if you can get to the the this, this side of the survivor um, and so I feel like the the outreach that I people responding to me was was very profound but I think that part of you know people saying to me like you were two different people you were, you were who you were before Belize and after and mm-hmm. like even my mother my own mom like reflecting back being like oh my god you were after Belize like Severely depressed, very lost. Um, like that, all all the telltale signs were were there, and it all made sense, you know, kind of in retrospect. So, but I think being able to, you know, advocate to um, the decision makers, the lawmakers, to to make them understand fully, like this is this takes a very long time for people to come to terms with. And there's a re- there's a reason these windows need to open wider and wider and wider,
0: or there should um, be no windows. Honestly,
3: should, right? That's Eventually, <laughs> well, exactly all
0: right. those windows go away, and it's just well, we right. we just want a window that never closes. Correct.
1: <laughs> there we go. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. Always open. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, it's yeah. Ju- but
3: you're right because yeah.
0: No, sorry, Tim. Go ahead.
3: No, but it goes it goes back to, you know, I was pretty blown away when. My, my story made it to the Boston Globe, and um, I even though I, I knew I shouldn't have at the time, my wife's like, "Don't read the comments," and there was like several hundred, and but I had to, and I and I did, and, and in reading those, I realized, wow, how threatening truth is, how
0: threatening the, how truth, the,
3: how threatening the <laughs> truth really is, and how that right there was the reason to make it even more public and more public. So yeah. yeah, I think, I think we can't, we can't, um, you know, yell for the mountaintops loud enough
0: yeah. in,
3: in a repeated way.
1: And you know, Tim, you like many survivors, you are the voice of truth and so many would rather be in the lie you know, maybe not standing shoulder to shoulder with perpetrators or bad acting institutions. They just don't want to hear it. And, you know, I think so they, they live, they're people of the lie, you know? Um, yeah. and it's, it's, it's easier. It's certainly sure as hell isn't healthier. Um, you know, for anyone, especially children, but, you know, I think, um, you should know that you are a really brave survivor who's yes, ta- taking taking the truth. And, uh, boy, that's really important.
3: Thank you. I agree. I appreciate it. And I, I think having just seen my own kid, you know, having hard times, like, Catherine, you said, like, I have dates. I have literal dates on the calendar where I know there's trauma anniversaries coming. Mm-hmm. And, like, we prepare for them. And mm-hmm. I set up extra therapy sessions. I do an extra meditation session that day, or two, mm-hmm. or three, and um, or all day, <laughs> or all day, right? <laughs> Please, because it,
0: that's it's me. A life,
3: yeah, it's a lifelong, it's a lifelong kind of yeah healing process. And you know my my therapist, who I've been with for five years now, you know he cont- continues to you know tell me. He said, you know, those days where you're just mad as hell all over again. He said, those days, days will come. And he said, and that's okay. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to I mean, that's going to be a bad day. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to be able to just get that stuff out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It shouldn't live in our systems anymore. And I think you no. bring forward such an important point of it being ubiquitous. Ubiquu- How do you say that word? Ubiquitous. Oh, yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tripped over that one. Um, <clears throat> because, I think, I mean, I know in my own experience, it's like I had to remove myself from the culture. I had to remove myself. from And, like, I found myself back in the same community, sending my kids to the same school before I woke up. And I was like, I knew the school didn't feel right. I knew the community. You know, I didn't want to be back in the community I was raised in. And, like, there I was. And I was like, why am I back here? And it was literally having to revisit the geography of trauma, And the places and spaces that it had happened to me in order to help me wake up and say no more. Like, you know, I didn't even believe in the Catholic institution. And yet there I was, you know, like, (laughs) and I was spiritual, yes, but not that. So um, I think you bring forward a really important point of how much, how threatening it can be when a survivor says, this happened to me here, and people have over-identified with the institution or the culture that they're attached to.
2: Well, and I think another really important piece of this is that, as you mentioned, you, you have the structure in place to keep peeling away the layers of trauma and to keep moving forward and to keep you know, on your growth pattern. And so the meditation or the therapy or those people in your family that are able to support you is really an important part of this journey.
0: I agree. And what, as you know, we are winding down our time together, what kind of call to action might you give those who are listening um, or in the conversation with us on sovereignty and, and helping this shift? Catherine, what would you invite people to?
1: Well, you know, just reflecting on what Tim just shared and, you know, having those bad days, I just, I just went to that famous Rumi quote, the wound is where the light enters. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I don't know, my mind just went there and I thought to myself, yeah, right. So the wound, the wound is the trauma and The more that we face the truth of the trauma, the more the light can enter us and we can be free, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know? um, So knowing that as humans, sentient beings, we can, we have the power to face the truth. We have the power to let the light in, to be the light, you know, to be the light in our truth and in truth for others. Um, I think remembering that we all have that power within us. Um, It is available to us. Um, It does take courage, but you have, you know, great people like Tim. You are an example to so many, and you in many ways will point people to, the ability to see the light and the healing, even though the trauma and that wound can be, you know, ugly at times or hard and painful, but that is the place where we grow and become better people and a better society.
3: I appreciate that. And I think the healing work, you know, I think the, the last four or five years, Elizabeth, you kind of, the weight of that, can be so heavy at times and it's been very, very heavy for myself. My wife and I our our family, but it's, it's lightning, you know? Um, And I think that's what I would, if I could convey anything to anyone going through, um, you know, trying to heal from trauma, it's, it's, you know, like honor that the healing journey, know how important that is, do everything you can to, to make that a priority. And for me personally, you know, I've got, five or six things you know kind of call them the legs on our table but that i have to do every day and that i have to not do every day and as long as those things are in place this, the table is going to be sturdy mm-hmm. and if a leg or two falls then i gotta get them right back in there so I, I think whatever people can whatever that may look like for people but but that they're worth taking the time and the energy and and the money you know i said been enough on therapy in the last no doubt five years to <laughs> sail around the world a couple of times. But I think it's absolutely it's vital and it's 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 so important. Even if it's simply reaching out, you know, I've got a I'm in an Al-Anon program and I've been in it for about five years now. And you know, there's just basic resources. Al-Anon's everywhere, meetings are everywhere all the time in all cities, um, just to find a, another individual or a small group a small community that you can heal with that, that's doing, that's doing the work, not identical work, um, mm-hmm. but just doing the work of trying to just heal, you know, heal our wounds. It's, mm-hmm. it's incredibly important.
0: Okay. Give us your website one more time, Tim.
3: Uh, it's just lean on G.com. www.leanong.com. You can find me there on the team profile.
0: Perfect. And Catherine, would you share your website again?
1: Sure. www www.childusadvocacy1a, so it's childusadvocacy.org.
0: Excellent. Well, I want to thank you both for being here, and I know, Sharon, thank you for joining. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much.
0: This is Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth, guest co-host Sharon Crowley, Tim Ballard, and Catherine Robb as we share heart-centered pathways of becoming free and sovereign from anything that holds us back. Thank you for joining and the conversation.